0: It's the fun part. I looked at the clock, and I got 35 minutes for a message that's over 18 pages long. Are you ready? I got an I'm ready, okay. Everybody else is saying, oh me, oh my, um, can we just go to lunch now? But anyway, if you have the scripture, or have the screen up there, you'll see that we're going to go into a study of the book of James this week. Something the Lord's laid on my heart as well is just to look at James. So we're going to be digging through that for the next few weeks. But if you have your Bibles, and if you'll turn to James chapter 1, I know we're going to put it up on the screen real quick. And we're going to look at verses 12 through 18. I see some phones getting lit up, so I'm going to give you a few moments. Because sometimes fingers don't look work as fast as the uh, computers do. It's James chapter 1, 12 through 18. Let me know when you're ready. Man, I feel like I, I'm about ready to do a bingo match. Do You got your bingo board ready? All right, but it starts off. It says, blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood uh, the test, he will receive a crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. But each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desires. Then desires, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin, and sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Do not be deceived, my beloved uh, brothers, for every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be some kind of first fruits of his creation. Lord, right now, I just need you to just move through me, Lord. Take my lips and let them be the words that this body needs, Lord, today. Whoever hears this message whether they're here in this house this morning, or they're watching on the live stream this morning, or better yet, Lord, if they're watching past September 4th, 2020, Lord, and this message is something that you need to use to touch their lives, let it be what you need it to be. But God, we want you to get all the glory, all the honor, and all the praise as we look and expose the truths within your word, Lord. So just be with us in Jesus' name. And the church said, Well, I'm going to start off with this question right now. How about them bucks? I owe. Well, you know, I was in South Carolina for years, and it was Clemson territory. They made me work the Clemson football games for concessions and all this stuff. It was like walking into the enemy's camp. But better yet, I love being back in Ohio, where I get to wear my scarlet and gray all day long and never, ever have a complaint, except for my neighbor, who is a a Notre Dame football fan. My wife, poorly, she razzed him so bad. She says, how about that game? And he just says, I wish I could be asking you that question this morning. But it's official. It's football season, college football season. NFL is already getting going. We've had preseason games, and we can expect stadiums full of people getting on and getting dressed up in their favorite uh, sports team colors. And, and better yet, we have people that are glued to screens. I'll be honest, if I can't be home watching the football game, it's on my phone. And I'm watching it. I was watching it at the Clemson football games. The Ohio State Buckeyes dominate every time I had to work. But what I find interesting is that we live in a time and an era where where we see confrontational calls that have to be exposed and examined. And in football, we see that so often. Last night, I watched them call uh, pass interference calls, and they had to check those with the replay booth. I watched holding calls get controversially called, and everybody's going, What is that about? And it's great because the refs saw it with their own eyes. We get to see the replay over and over again with the commentary Did you see that? That didn't look right. What is this? This is confrontational. Ah, all these different things. Better yet, the one call that I hate the most in Tide of Football is targeting calls. Because I know it's a 20-minute review about the whole entire play, and you're like, okay, it's not targeting. It's not targeting. Please do not call it a targeting call. I know this is not at all what you expected out of me this morning, football. But if you know anything about me, I love my game of football. But the truth is, when we watch the game, it's so hard because we are truly invested in it. Last night, I looked at my wife, and I said, you know what? I didn't yell as much this morning, but last week, or last night, I said, but last year, you heard me screaming at the TV, jumping up and dancing and all these things. I got a question. If you, who likes football? Man. I know, Sister, Sister Joyce, I know you don't, but Sister Tilly, I know, sure loves her Pittsburgh Steelers back there. But who likes to get a little animated when you watch the sports team get a goal? Yetta's raising her hand. Okay. Eddie, okay, okay. Got to be honest here, guys. Come on. We're hot, humble, open, and transparent. We're just real. Come on. What about when a bad call's on? Do you start getting that, ah, that's a horrible, yeah, that ref doesn't know what he's talking about. You see, we get truly invested in a football game. But it's so great because us at home, we get to watch it over and over again. Like the people in the bleachers. They're looking up at the thing going, what is going on? That's not a call. Or they get all upset and excited. But it's so great because we get invested in it. But but there's this thing called a reach play that we need to look at. You see... What I keep looking at as I was digging through the scriptures this week, as I was really focusing on it, knowing that my Ohio State Buckeyes were going to play Notre Dame, not knowing who was going to win the game, but I was eagerly anticipating Ohio State to dominate. But what I found God was speaking in my spirit this morning, or this week, was that when we look at the Scriptures and we see what James is trying to bring to light and get us to understand and relate to, is that we have some sort of effort in our lives that we're always coming up against. You see, every time that we get into a place where there's a confrontation, there's this thing called a trial or a test. It's like football. It's a trial. It's a, it's a test of each team's dynamic ability to go from offense and defense and special teams and who can stand the test of time. And James is looking at the church as he's writing his letters and he's saying there's going to be trials and tests that we have to endure. I don't like trials and tests. Trust me, every time I go to the eye doctor I dread the tests that he gives when he says take off your glasses and try to read the lines. And I'm like, I can't. I wish I could. I wish I had 20-20 vision, but I can't. Better yet, Lenore, can I just go ahead and say it? When you were going for your test of your heart and go through all that stuff, I can remember going, Brother Marcus, is she done yet? No, we haven't even started the test. We've been here since this morning, but they haven't started it yet. It wasn't until late in the afternoon that they finally wheeled you back to do the procedure to see how your arteries were. And I could only imagine the nervousness that you were in as you were waiting. I can only imagine the anxiousness, the trial that you were in as you were waiting because you knew you wanted to get the procedure done of your heart. How many of us have been dealing with that same kind of thing? We got trials and tribulations that we're facing up against and we don't always have the understanding, the knowledge of what's going to happen in the outcome. Trust me, I've talked about my heart before. But for over three years, I would sit in my recliner watching Home and Garden, and I say it just like that and I'd be sitting there relaxing in it, just going, okay, this is good, I'm going to fall asleep. And the next thing you know is, I felt a squeeze in my chest, and my heart rate went from 50 beats per minute to 195 beats per minute, and it would stay there for, for a good long time. And Melissa would say, I turned on the pedals a ghost, and I was going, God, what am I dealing with? Why am I having to deal with this affliction in my life? No, not all of you are going to have heart issues. Not all of you are going to have those, but that's just one of the things that the Lord has spoken to me in my life as I've had to deal with trials, where I had to sit there and lean in a little deeper on who God is. I had to hold on a little deeper. And what James is trying to tell the church today, as we're reading through it, as we're reading and exposing the truth, is that the tests that we come upon are things that are going to cause a little nervousness within us. Many times, when a test comes upon us, we are always second guessing. Are we in the will of God? Are we really doing what we're supposed to? God, if I'm really going through this battle, then why is it so hard? And what God is saying quietly is the trials are meant for purposes and reasons. But let me tell you, church, God kept telling me this that I had to say it so clearly. God doesn't always cause the trials. God doesn't always cause the trials. Let me say that again. God is not the one that's always causing the trials. He's just willing to use whatever the devil wants to do to make something out of it that needs to be fixed. Can I say that again? God wants to use the messes that we put ourselves into to fix something that he needs to expose in our lives. But it's only going to be through those trials that we'll ever find the fix that we need to go through. It's not an easy situation. I can remember looking at my wife thinking, Honey, I'm 30 30-some years old. I'm going to die before I hit 40. Honey, get the wheel going. I can remember thinking that. I never said it to her. But I can remember going, I don't understand what I'm dealing with. Why am I dealing with 195 beats per minute sitting here watching some guy plant flowers in a garden and I'm like, this is nothing exciting. I wish I was on a roller coaster. Then I could justify what I was feeling within my own body. But there's got to be a point where we look around and say, God, what is am supposed to learn? See, James says there's going to be trials and tests that we're going to have to endure. James says that there's going to be things that come upon us that we're going to have to deal with. And a lot of these trials and tests are never anything that God's designed within within us outside of that he's using it. You see, James is telling us today, you see, whether or not you know it, every day we are filled with things called choices and actions that will simply amount to one question. Am I walking in perfect obedience to God or am I not? See, James says all these trials that we deal with are often lined up with this one question. Am I walking in obedience? 100% obedience, not 99%, not 99.9%. I'm talking 100% obedience to what God is saying or am I not? And he says that is the one thing that keeps causing so many issues and struggles is because when we're not, this thing creeps into our lives that we struggle with. And you can blame this wonderful couple who all of a sudden wanted to go to lunch one day and this woman looked around, saw this tree and a snake said go eat it and she went and grabbed a bite of it and she gave it to her husband at the picnic table and now all of a sudden we know that sin is in the world and in our fleshes and that we have to overcome it. Why is it so quiet in here? Why is it so quiet? Because this is not an easy message. It's because of sin that we know that, that we have struggles. Romans says it in 5.12, it says, Just as sin came into the world through one man, and death and uh, through sin, so death spread to all men. And the truth is that we are all living on borrowed time. We're all holding on to it. We're all trying to get through this trial and test that we have to endure. But God is saying that we need to do something a little bit different sometimes. I lived for years trying to figure out what would bring me joy. How many of you have done that too? I looked forward in alcohol. I looked forward in drugs. I looked forward in every other aspect and I never could find it. But it wasn't until that one day that I encountered the living God who spoke it over to me. He says, what are you doing? Why don't you just live in peace and fullness with me? And I realized that I was a mess and I needed saved. I needed something restored in my life. You see, sin does that. Sin causes us to think that we can live in our flesh and struggle through this world in constant battles. But, but what James is trying to understand and expose to us through the word of God as speaking through him is that our struggles are always going to be something that we have to deal with until we have the encounter. Until we have an encounter with the living God who is able to do what he wants to do whenever he wants to do it. You see, sin came in. And we deal with it every time. And we look for what's comfortable. And we deal with the trials and the tests. But what James is saying is that we need to stand steadfast. I don't know about you, that's not easy. I have a daughter with ADHD. She doesn't stand fast very long. I think I have ADHD, too, because I can never seem to focus on one thing or another. But standing steadfast. You see, some of us have been encountering such difficult times in our lives. Heart conditions, stress, financial struggles, marriage issues. All these different things that, have, can, that you can even think about that I can't even fathom or formulate in my mind this morning. We deal with all these things and what James and God is trying or God is trying to speak through his, his, his James is, is through the writer. He's saying is that you've got to stand steadfast and trust me in the situation. Trust him in the situation. I tell you, trust is hard. God, my heart beats 195 beats per minute. I got to trust you that I'm going to live. God, I know the call of my life, but my heart beats 195 beats per minute. Am I going to be a a, a good minister? God, am I supposed to deal with it? Better yet, I love to use Bethany as a testimony, because if you've never met my daughter, Bethany, you want to. But the truth is, you all have heard the story, but somebody hasn't heard the story that needs to hear it. See, Bethany, when she was born on January 31st, after I had got done doing a youth uh, snow inner tube thing, I came home and I told Melissa, I said, honey, I'm tired. Can I just go ahead and take a Tylenol p.m.? You're not going to go into labor today, can't, are you? And she says, no. I said, okay, Tylenol p.m. An hour and a half later, I'm snoozed out. She says, honey, my water broke. And I'm like, oh, Lord. We rush to the hospital. I'm like, she's early. She's like two months early. We're like, oh, what's going on? And we've come to find out down the road that she's had a, uh, she has a hole in her heart. She's got a defect. They said she's got all kinds of genetic disorders. And we're like, okay, God, I don't know what to do. But all I know in this situation that I can do in this moment, in this life that I'm encountering, is to just walk right here and stand. God, I don't know what you're doing. I'm scared to death. God, I don't know where I'm going. But I know that if I stand right here and I dwell in the shadow of the Most High, that I know that there's a confidence that He's able to overshadow everything that I encounter. You see, Bethany had a hole in her heart. They told her that she had all these genetic disorders. Well, then we ended up taking her to a different hospital. And in that hospital, all of a sudden, this thing happened. And they said, get ready. Your daughter's not going to come home to your house. She's going to go in the ground. <laughs> Me and Melissa broke. And all we could do was say, God, I don't know what it is, but I dwell in the shadow of the Most High. God, it's your hands that I need. God, in this trial that we're dealing with, in this test that we're enduring, God, we trust you. Doctors are saying she's never coming home. And then all of a sudden, she's got to go through all these different tests, all these different procedures. And then all of a sudden, they said, okay, we don't know what's going on, but we're able to do the heart procedure to close up her hole and hopefully get her out of congestive heart failure. And we're like, okay. But they said, get ready. It's an 18-hour surgery. And we're like, okay, we're trusting God in this one. We're hoping that everything's going to go great. And all of a sudden, they're like, okay, it's game day, and we get to the hospital. They said, get ready, it's 18 hours, and if we come out before eight, it's probably not going to be a good sign. So me and Melissa and our pastors of the church that we were at, we're sitting in the waiting room surrounded by people. We, We prayed, we're just talking, and we're just trying to keep our mind off of the situation, but we're saying, God, nonetheless, I trust you. And at four hours, we get a call saying, the doctor wants to talk to you. Let me tell you, at four hours... They said at eight hours, if we heard anything before, it's not good news. You can imagine how hard our hearts sunk and how much it hurt as we we walked into the room and we waited, anticipating the doctor to come in. And then when he walked in, I watched him throw his arms up, and he says, I don't know what this is. And I said, what's wrong with my Bethany? And he says, we went in. We did the 3D models, we've practiced, we've done all these different things. And we're like, okay, but what about my Bethany? He says, well, well, we put the patch in and and, and we knew we had to do the reconstruction of her heart in this section over here. And, And all of a sudden, he started saying, I just don't get it. And I said, what is going on with my Bethany? My heart's sinking. I'm like, is she dead? Am I going to have to bury my little baby? And he says, no. He says, all of a sudden, we put the blood in her heart to test the patch and then the other part showed up and we just don't get it. Four hour mark, he says, we're just closing her up. She's done. And I said, that's what my God can do and trials and tests if I trust Him. I don't know about a situation you've been encountering. I don't know what you've been dealing with, but I can tell you one thing. If you'll trust the God who spoke everything in the motion, something will gain traction in your life, and you'll have hope. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with a marriage struggle. God can restore it. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with a tight bank account. God can stretch it. It doesn't matter if you've got a child that's completely out of control and you don't know how to handle them. God will give you the strength to endure. If it doesn't matter if someone stole something from you, God can restore whatever the enemy steals from you. It doesn't matter if you're dealing with an illness because we have the author and the finisher and the great physician. It doesn't matter if you've lost a loved one because you have the best comforter if you'll just dwell in the shadow of the Most High and stand steadfast in all trials. You see, that's all possible because God is greater than anything that we encounter. James 1, chapter 1, verse 2 and 4 says, Count it all joy, my brothers, when you meet trials of various kinds. You know that that kind of testing of your faith produces steadfastness. Let me say it right now. God said it, take it to the bank. Somebody needs to hear that this morning. If God said it, take it to the bank. He's able to do it if you'll just trust Him. He's able to overcome it if you'll just lean in on Him. And it'll cause your faith to grow a little bit greater. You see, there's going to be trials that are going to come on and God's going to use the wickedness of this world to grow us and to mature us and to strengthen us to be a little bit brighter of a light to a lost and dying world. But we have to hold on. You see, 2 Timothy 2 and 15 says, Do your best to present yourself to God as one approved, a worker who has not been ashamed and has rightfully handed the word of truth. The truth is, we have to be willing to say, I don't care what I'm dealing with. God, I trust you. I don't care what I'm going to have to do. God, I'm going to be obedient. I don't care what I'm going to have to fight through. God, I'm going to trust you. Because when we do those things and we grow steadfastly, we can show up to God and we can bow our knee and, and ask God to move in every situation with the confidence that we're walking in His perfect will. You see, what we have to hold on to, church, is that when we stood the test of time, we will receive a crown of life which God has promised to those who love Him. The hope in His face that all of us will endure will not be the thing that defines us. The hope in the face of everything that we endure will not be the thing that defines us. Let me say that again. Your hope will not define you. I know I got some people looking at me funny. Your hope will never define you. Because God will. I'm sorry. I want to live a life where my hope, where I'm like, oh, I hope it's good, is the thing that melts away from you. And I said, God's got this no matter what. That's why I love Bethany they told us she'd never walk, they told us she'd never talk, they told us she'd never eat on her own. They told us to get ready to have nurses in our house the rest of her life. And I looked at him and I'm like, "Okay, God, I don't care what this trial is. I trust you." And I can remember the moment she pulled out her feeding tube, and me and Melissa are like, "What is going on?" And I watched her put the food in her mouth, going "num num num," and I'm like, "What is God doing?" better yet. I remember when the physical therapist was there, working her legs, and they gave her a walker, and they said, let's see if she'll just stand. And the child stood up, and step, step. And she looked at the, the woman, and she says, god got this. And I said, did she really just say that? And she says, got this and i'm like melissa she just said a word and it says god got this. i think the holy spirit's speaking through i think god's saying something great and mighty because god's got every situation if we trust him man i got 15 minutes and i still got 12 pages of notes see if i can wrap this up quickly i see people walking out there you see, it's this reason that we hold on to the trials that we deal with. It's because hope will never define us, but because God is. It's like a Super Bowl victory. You, you I, I love watching the Super Bowl with those giant rings, and I'm like, I watch these guys go, yeah, I got all my rings on my hand. I'm like, that's not going to define you. That might define you on this side of the heaven, but that's not going to define you for eternity. I don't know about you, I always like to say that I'd rather be not known by everybody around me. And I'd rather be known by God. But that's only going to come through the trials that I've endured. That's why I wear shirts that says uh, fa- or, uh, what is it? I can't even think of what I, what I wear half the time. My wife buys my clothes and all that stuff, so man, that was a joke, and you guys are dead. You see, the struggles that we go through will only provide the simple truth that we encounter. Because what God is trying to say and, and make us understand is that bad things are going to happen in our lives. But the temptations we go through are never going to be caused by God. But God's going to use the temptations that we deal with to tra- and to change and mold us into what He needs us to be. We serve God that we spoke everything in motion. We serve God that says, I will dwell in the midst of the people. We serve a God that is holy and worthy of all praise. And let me say that again. It doesn't matter what we're going. We serve a God that's able to do it all. We serve a God that's worthy of our praise. I love coming in here, and I don't care what worship looks like. I don't care if there's a band up here or there's music on the TV. I don't care what it is. I don't care if I get in the car and my kids are going, Dad, I don't want to listen to this music. And I'm like, no, stop it. I'm listening to my praise and worship music. I'm going to exalt God a little bit this morning. They're like, well, at least it's not some preacher. I'm like, yeah, I know. but what I'm saying is God is able to do it all so why do we not live surrendered in steadfastness in everything that we do like I said God's saying that we have to be 100% obedient to him only then can we ever understand that the trials and temptations might start weaning a little bit because what God is trying to do is make you look a lot less like you and a lot more like his son the one that says nonetheless Lord if thy will be done and I will just do it Lord nonetheless if this comp can pass from me let it pass but nonetheless thy will be done Sometimes we have to live our life in the trials and the difficulties with just trusting God. God, I don't have the answers, but you do. God, I don't have the ability to formulate a a response in this situation, but you do. God, shut my mouth when I want to yell at somebody. God, do this in me, Lord, so I can get through this all. God, give me the strength to endure everything that the enemy would want to make me encounter. That's what we need to do. That's where we understand and hold on to the truth that we serve a God that wants to dwell in the midst of His people because He loves them. We dwell in the midst of a God whose shadow is always constant. And this is the one thing that God kept speaking to me. And I love this verse when it says, Do not be deceived, my beloved brethren. Every good gift and every perfect gift is abo- from above. It comes down from a Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow or turning. Of his own will, he brought us forth by the words of his truth. Can I say that again? He brought us forth by the words of his truth that we might be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. The thing that blesses him. He wants his first fruits. He wants us to be the thing that will honor him in all that he does. That's what the trials are about. But here's the one thing that I love the most. It says every good gift and every perfect gift is from above that comes down from a Father of lights with whom there is no variation or shadow to change. That tells me one thing. We serve a God that's never going to change his will upon us. He's never going to change his standards. He's never going to do that. But we live in a world that wants that. God, I only want to come to church on a on a third Sunday and I and I want to put a dollar in the offering plate. And I just want you to bless me. Is that God? No. That's not you serving God. That's you serving yourself. See, God says, I want you to give me everything. I want you to live in full submission of, of, to me so that you will see my goodness and my mercies come on. Because we all of our lives we know that He's faithful. The song says He is so good. He is so good. And that's so true in everything that we deal with. It doesn't matter the situations. I can tell you right now, it didn't matter the trials and the temptations I've dealt with. He's still good. It doesn't matter what you've endured. He's still good. It doesn't matter the difficulties you're facing. He's still the good father. if we would serve a god like that and then we can expect to, that he would he would do some awesome things in our life if we would really gather that together but somebody here today needs to understand that our lives are not meant to be the thing that points or, the, 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 to be, or not meant to be the thing, a point of worship, except for it to be in full surrender. James writes the, the words to tell us that we need to only stand strong and steadfast in our lives, and our lives trusting in God. He's able to do whatever he sa- or we go through, that He's going to dwell with us in the midst. Someone needs to hear this. Your faith will only grow in seasons of testing because you won't understand the need of God in a season of plenty got five minutes. Whew. I feel like dancing. Hallelujah. Let me tell you right now, I'm so thankful that it's a season of, of hardships that I've always encountered, God. It's a season of hardships that show that it's never going to be my strength. It's a season of hardship that's always going to show that God is exceedingly above everything that we ever have. You see, God is so awesome that He would do such an awesome work in a life like me, and a life like you, and a life like your neighbor that you have not even understood or fathomed it yet. It's awesome, God, that you can just transform a mess of a a thing of dirt that's walking around and speaking, and you change it to something that's a beautiful vessel. Better yet, it's in the seasons of, of the testing that i found that it's not the season of plenty that I would ever come to God. And I love how Jesus even reinforced that when, when somebody says, "What about the rich people?" You guys have all heard, it. He says, "No, if you're in the season of plenty, if you're so rich, it's harder for you to get to heaven than it is for a camel to go through the needle of an, or the eye of a needle. Why? Because the season of plenty is not a season of pruning." Can I say that again? The season of plenty is never going to be the season of pruning. The season of pruning is going to come when when there's dead things that need to get cut off. When there's all kinds of issues that need to get cut off. That's in the trials that we deal with that God is the one that's shaping us to be what he needs us to be. But it's in those that we have to trust him in those situations. Trust me. It was hard when he said I couldn't drink anymore. It was hard when I had to put down the cigarettes, but I'm thankful that at one encounter event, all of a sudden I came home and I said, i got to test this out. Somebody said, hey, you're never going to smoke again. I said, okay, let me go. And I got out of the car because I didn't smoke in the car at the time. And I lit up a cigarette and I said, okay, let's see how this goes. And I never got a buzz. I'm just being real. If you're watching online, I'm just being real. I used to smoke two packs of cigarettes a day. I started at the age of 13, buying them inside of a bowling alley vending machine. My parents all smoked, so of course I was going to pick it up. So I'm going to this encounters thing, and I'm like, God, you called me in the ministry, but I can't be a minister if I'm smoking. And I got prayed upon, and I watched the Holy Spirit fall upon me, and I, and I, was, I was just being awesome as what God was doing, and he says, okay, test me. I said, Okay got, got up outside the campground that we were at. Nobody else knew I smoked except for whoever I told. So everybody, I guess everybody knew. Church folk talk, let's just be honest. So I, I stop and I'm like, okay, I, got, I lit up the cigarette and I'm like, ugh, three hits and I'm like, no buzz. I'm like, wow, I hadn't smoked in three days. I knew that thing was gonna swarm over my body. It's like, okay, so I put it down and I said, like, okay. 45-minute drive to the house. I said, God, you're giving me a test, and I'm going to go ahead and try this one more time, I know. But if I don't get a buzz from this, God, I'm going to trust you, and I'm never going to touch a cigarette again. So I stopped one more time. I'm just saying I'm hard-headed. I'm difficult in all the situations and every season. I'm getting hot. And I stopped, and I, and, I, and I got out of the car again, and I lit the cigarette, and, and, and I'm like, okay, three hits, and I'm like, nothing. And I said, well, that was the last one. I hadn't touched a cigarette since, but it wasn't easy. There are going to be things in our lives that God's going to speak to us and say, you can't do that. It might not be things that make sense to you, but it's going to be things that God is saying, I have to prune it from you. And the trials and the testing, but you have to stand fast and the trust that I am doing something to help you and not to harm you. I'm doing something to transform you to be what I need you to be. Because you are not worthy of worship. He is. Can I say that one more time? You were never meant to be the thing that gets worshipped. You were meant to be the vessel in which gives worship. And the sad part is, the Word says, if we are not willing to worship Him, the rocks will cry out. I'm sorry, I don't want to rock some inanimate object to give God the glory. Come on, come on church, let's give Him the glory just for a moment. deserves it all and in those trials that's when we need to realize that we have to give him the glory we have to give him the honor we have to give him all the praise because he's worthy of it he's putting you through seasons and he's allowed you to endure those but he says nonetheless I'm going to be with you and through all of it with you that's a loving God that we have to trust on I'm sorry I'm sorry I got no more time we're going to deal with it I don't care I think the hardest thing for the church nowadays is to take truth. Truth is hard because truth hurts. Because truth just means it's not always my truth. And I'm not going into the worldly philosophy about truth. I'm just saying that truth is something that we have to hold on to. But I serve a God who says that I need to walk in spirit and in truth. And if I have to walk in those things, that means I have to know the truth. That's why I love it that I get to serve a God that gave me a Bible. He gave me a living word that even though I read through it and it cuts me so deep and it transforms my life when it says, you can't do that. Better yet, I I love a God that said, okay, I can make it even simpler for you. This is going to tell you the history of everything and let you understand the dynamics of human knowledge and ability, but it's also going to show you something greater. But the easiest way to get through all this lives is what Jesus says, to love the Lord God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. If I could do that one thing and then I do the second like it, love my neighbor as myself, then I could fulfill everything that God says. It's not an easy truth, because what we want to do is we say, God, I trust you in this situation, but I can't do it all the way. Like I said, God wants 100%. God wants it all, and James is trying to tell us that he needs it all. But he's asking us to look at ourselves and take something about ourselves and say, I don't understand it all. And then James says it's simple. If you don't know what you don't know, there's a simple step for it. You ready, church? James 1 and 5, if any of you lack wisdom, can I say that again? If you don't know what you don't know, if you don't even understand that you need to know something. there's some people that think they know it all, and they don't know it all, and they don't realize they don't know it all, and they struggle because they don't know it all, and, and they're like, okay, how do I know it all? I don't know, that's a lot of know-it-alls. But anyway, they, they, they don't understand that. It says if you lack wisdom, let him Ask God who is gracious to all without reproach and it will be given to him. I'm sorry I ask God to speak to me every time I read this word. Lord, as I open up this word, touch it and let it be the edification that I need right now. Holy Spirit, come down and minister to my mind as I read it. Touch my eyes and let the words catch that I need to have in these moments to reproach all the issues that I have in my life. I'm sorry, that's what the church needs to start doing a little bit more. That's what believers in the one true God need to do a little bit more. We need to start taking more time and putting an emphasis on asking Him to come down into the Word and be the thing that helps us understand it. We need true wisdom. It's the only thing that's going to get us through the trials and the storms that we deal with. It's going to be the only thing that allows us to see the great giants in our lives and understand that we have the steadfastness because of God's goodness in our lives. Because He is a God who is a loving Father. He is a God who is an ever-present help in the time of need. He is a God who is the Alpha and the Omega. The beginning and the end. The one that will finish it. He is the Almighty He is the author and the finisher of our faith. It is He and all of it that we have a reason that we can have our hope. So I want to ask a question today Is He your all in all? Is He the thing that's going to hold you through it all? Or have you been trying to make it on your own? I'm sorry, Brother Jim. Is that you online? Have you been leaning in on your own understanding and you find yourself lost for words and trying to figure out what you're trying to deal with and encounter with? Is that you? Have we been struggling for so long that we don't realize that all we have to do is look up to the heavens to which our help comes from? Have we become so earthly minded that we don't even think about the heavenly help? Church, God is saying it's time for us to start looking up to the heavens. It's time to start looking up to the Heavenly Father, the one that says, I loved you more than you'd ever understand. That's why I sent Jesus. You're a mess without me. but That's why I sent my Son. You're lost in sin, but that's why He paid your price. You're struggling, but that's why He's your encouragement. You need help through it all. That's why I sent my Spirit to dwell within you. You see, that's what we have to hold on to, church. We have to learn to stand steadfast in everything that comes at us. We have to be willing to stand the reproach and say, God, I don't care what it is, prune me. Get this stuff off me so I can stand to be what you need it to be. If you'll stand with me, I know the time, and I still got more notes, and we're going to continue this next week. Lord, help me. (laughs) You see, we have to choose today the simple question. Am I all in 100% or am I only 99 and less? Church, that's a difficult place to be. And I'm going to tell you right now It's worthy of everything that we have if we would just say, I'm all in 100%. Because only then can I ever know that if I stay, stand fast, that I have it all. It doesn't matter what the enemy does. It doesn't matter the fear that I'll encounter. It doesn't matter the tragedy, the situation I've encountered. I have 100% confidence. So if you just pray with me today, just pray with me this morning. Say, Father, Lord, we thank you for today. Lord, I know the situations we've had on, Lord, but I ask you just move on upon our minds, upon our hearts, and move in our souls, Lord, and stir something within this body, Lord, within those that are earshot of this message, Lord, that they would hear a truth and a reproof, Lord, that they have something that's not right. If it's not right, Lord, I ask you just let them see it with eyes of wisdom so that they can take care of it, Lord, and say, I don't want that in my life to be number one but I want God to be number one. God, we want to trust you with 100% of everything we have. We want to trust you with our health. We want to trust you with our finances. We want to trust you with our work. We want to trust you with our homes. We want to trust you on the roads. We want to trust you when we're out and about. Lord, we want to trust you as we open our mouths and we declare truths to this lost and dying world and give them hope. We want to trust you that you'll be with us when we go through the valleys of the shadow of doubt. Lord, we want to trust you when we're walking on the mountaintops praising you, Lord. But God, we want to trust you with everything we have and stand steadfast, Lord. Because the enemy wants to be the thing that gets us off the mark. But God, I declare today we're not moving. God, I want to declare today that we're standing firm in the truth that you are our God. And that we're going to worship and serve you with everything that we have 100%. God, we're not going to look left or right, but we're going to look straight ahead. Lord, be with us today. Be with us tomorrow. Be with us as we go home. Be with us when we encounter our families. Be with us when we turn on Fox News or whatever avenue, Lord. And give us the wisdom we need to to stand strong in every day. Lord, Lord, I praise you for this church. Lord, I thank you for all of those that are here, Lord. Lord, touch us all, Lord, as we get ready to go home and be with us, Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. And the church said, amen. Amen. Church, I love you. We're going to continue this series about James as we look at it and what God is trying to speak to the church over the next few weeks. So just be ready and eager and be praying with us, Lord. be, Be praying with us that the Lord will come down and fill the seats. That we'll see lives transformed. That we'll see miracles happen. That we'll see a miracle of God just exposing His, word, His truth into this lost and dying city. I think that today is better than it was yesterday. But I'm ready and eager to see the truth come tomorrow. So let's be with that. Thank you. And I'll see you guys all next week.